When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Back at you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, a Husker Monday. We are loaded up. Uh, Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the pipeline, will join us in hour two. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride in hour two. We're 25 minutes away from Jay Moore, Blackshirt, Husker, NFL. So let's get to it. Day four at camp. Elijah is ready for two a days. Me, not so much. I'm going to pace myself in. Uh, but uh, a lot of football to get into. Some news on Nick Saban. He has been extended by the Board of Regents at Alabama. $84.8 million. Ugh. That would put uh, St. Nick at uh, the age of 77, making a cool $10.6 million. That's lots of boats with double motors. And uh, and more bait for, for like the three days a year off he takes to go fishing. And college football could look insanely different in in eight months, let alone eight years with uh, with Nick Saban well, and Bama doing their thing. Well, yeah, Alabama saw that, that article from The Onion that said uh, the players were making Nick Saban run wind sprints after uh, they determined that they were making more in NIL than he was. <laughs> so uh, Bama had to update their offers. Don't, they couldn't let that do happen. Do not kid yourself. <laughs> Coca-Cola is throwing money at him for the original Coke and Dasani water product placement. Every podium, man. You're right. I mean, just boom, right there. Bottle of water. He takes zero sips. Well, it used to be. Uh, Jack I, Daniels may just get in the ring here. <laughs> well, uh, Nebraska is always the. Yeah, the bottle of Mountain Dew sitting up there. No one you ever do. took a sip out of. But is it still up there? I guess you were there today. Well, but that was kind of different. That was post practice versus press conference Monday. Okay, yeah. But the point, you know, I haven't seen Mountain Dew yet this year. At least I didn't last week. So. See, see, that's that's like the question becomes, like, if it's Nick Saban sitting up there with uh, his bottle of Coke, is that Nick Saban's bottle of Coke? Or is that the university's bottle of Coke? Like, who's making the money out of that? Well, I mean, the university's got the pouring rides. Hmm. But I'm just saying, I mean, I like Coca-Cola. I, I, I get struck down by our friends at Pepsi, but I still wish I could get a Coke. The old plastic cups you used to get at Memorial Stadium about 20 years ago. That tasted awesome. That was really good. Uh, I I deal. I don't, you know. I I deal with what I deal with when I when I, probably <laughs> water or coffee in the uh, in the stadium. But we're going to dive in, uh, get to some thoughts from Coach Chenander. Also, a report out of a uh, radio station, kind of in the the Clemson region, about the SEC and Florida State and Clemson, perhaps. I don't know who's asking who out on the date, but they're they're trying to to date. 
more conference expansion. We'll get into it. Numbers to dive in, 466-3776-866-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. All right, what, what are you most confident in with this Nebraska football team? As we are in, you know, camp day number four, uh, the 28th of August, boom, kickoff happens against the Fighting Illini. It, it's, it's okay to say you're most confident in the defensive side of the ball. It returns the most starters, nine, right? Nine of the 11. You feel pretty good about some of the, uh, the, the younger guys, and you had uh, pretty strong not sunshine or even smoke, even though it's smoky outside, but you just had some matter-of-fact thoughts uh, and the, the topic of, of basic math versus calculus makes sense. And it seems like Nebraska for a thousand years has always been swimming upstream with talent level, with experience, with youth. And then, oh, by the way, let's change something. Let's change a head coach. Let's change a defensive coordinator. Let's change a position coach, right? I mean, that's that's this revolving door uh, a black shirt has been going through the last several years. You've had some continuity. You've had some stability. And you're hoping to see a jump. You saw a good jump last year defensively uh, when it came to, to being – built right to stop the run defensively in the Big Ten. And it was conference only. So from a points per game standpoint, listen, Nebraska's defense needs to be better. But in games in the Big Ten and games in college football, even the greatest defenses, think of how many guys have been sent to the NFL by Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama. There's two games a year. Bama gives up 40 now. They wouldn't give up 40 in, in a game. Uh, in a season, I should say, combined. But no, you, you've you got to win a couple of shootouts in college football. For the love of God, I mean, no disrespect to Iowa or Purdue, but they both put up half a hundred in the last three years against Ohio State. And you're going you're gonna to get in a shootout with Penn State and Ohio State. There's been some of those fascinating ball games where it's 45 to 44 against Great defenses with superior pass rush and run-stopping dudes. And that's just their front four, okay? We're not talking about the back seven. So, listen, the defense has got to be incredible situationally, and the defense has got to, say it with me, Elijah, get pressure. And that was a, a fun topic of discussion today, and we'll talk with Jay Moore about it, because there's more than one way to skin a cat. You can either scheme it, or you just get it done one-on-one. Nebraska, for years, had guys get it done one-on-one. And you can go down the list uh, from the, the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s to even six years ago with Randy Gregory uh, or an Anamakan Sue or a Levante David. I mean, you could send extra heat, but Nebraska had guys that, that would win. Uh, let's hear from Coach Chenander here, uh, specifically on the fun he's having because of that experience, A, you like the kids you're working with, but you've got a bunch of guys that are that are at a level right now where it's not, um, what am I supposed to do, or do I have this down? They know the responsibility. They're sick of losing, 
and they're hoping to be part of the solution when it comes to this team, this program, taking a, a step forward. And that can be a big part, a big building block defensively. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually been really fun for me. There's still some freshmen that have to get taught the basics, but a lot of the meetings, a lot of the installs, we're talking about real football. We're talking about situations. We're talking about technique. We're talking about detail instead of, okay, we're putting in the defense. Here's your job. Here's what you do. Let's go play football when we get through that. We've got to really detail things, and we've got to talk about just overall global football knowledge, football formations, football plays, and I think that's really helped the guys the older guys especially move their game to the next level so that that's the the hope by chenander that's kind of the, the the expectation that you take a a greater step forward if your defense can be i'm not even gonna ask him to be top 25 right but if your defense can can be 30 to 35th and you get anything from your offense in the form of consistency, you get anything from your special teams in the form of consistency, you're not turning the football over or or you're not committing a penalty. Wow. I mean, let's let's talk about let's talk about postseason if you're Nebraska. And it's gonna come down to some guys. Look, I don't have I don't have issue with what they have on the field to stop the run. Uh, as far as their middle backers go, I think there's some talent there. They got to stay healthy. You just you just do. And as far as outside linebackers go, you got a special dude in JoJo Doman. Is a guy like Feldarius Payne uh, going to be a difference maker? Is is Feldarius ready to kind of take that role on because of his athleticism? Is Garrett Nelson? Is is Caleb Tanner? Same names we know, right? But is it is it a step forward? And back to that math comment that Shenander made. I mean, you can do some really cool things defensively if guys have the basics down. We're, we're not in uh, general math anymore. We're like in uh, you know whatever you guys took. I took like uh, general <laughs> math one and two. You guys like calculus or whatever, right? We're we're there. So we're 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 getting these formulas figured out instead of figuring out two plus two. And it's really it's really nice. It's almost you know you get to the install with the older guys. They're almost kind of like seriously, we we can install this again. And you have to do it for for the for the rookies and those types of things. But it just it just feels it feels different. It doesn't feel like we're like it's Groundhog Day. Like we're starting over every single day like it like something that has in the past when you're putting in a new system and you're getting new players and those types of things it feels like we've already got the the groundwork laid now we're putting on the trim and in the the shingles and in the details and and, and that's a good feeling for me well you've got to keep their attention get them engaged get the buy-in that's happened look at all the dudes elijah that have come back to go out better so you've got buy-in you've got one two now it comes down to execution and if they can, can do some things schematically, and I think they can, because you saw it at Central Florida where they'd put a guy like Griffin in position to just go be a home wrecker, a game changer. They need someone like that to step up defensively for Nebraska off the edge. But as far as their foundation and, and some of the guys that can, can, can do nice things, I think it's there. And he's pretty glowing right now uh, in, in year four, knowing that, they want to win as, as bad as the fan base. Yeah, and when I hear Shenander talking about advanced math, basic math, um, it takes me back to there was a, would have been 
what day was this on Friday? Uh, it was the 2015 Nebraska and Minnesota game was airing on BTN and I was watching it and it was at a very crucial time in the game. Uh, one of the corners, I think it was Josh Mitchell, uh, was, uh, he was, uh, lining himself up. Kalu. Kalu. Yeah, that's it. It was, uh, Josh Kalu. And he was lining him up to, uh, to come in on a blitz and, uh, the quarterback went through his, uh, his count and stuff. And then they looked at the sideline and Kalu goes back over to the wide receiver and, uh, he was pretty clearly blitzing on that play, but he looks back at Nate Gary and just touches the side of his helmet one time. And, uh, the next time that the, the quarterback starts his, uh, his cadence, Nate Gary comes screaming up from the secondary spot and nobody picked him up on the blitz because they were expecting the corner to come on the blitz. And Nate Gary made a stop in the backfield at a pretty crucial time. It was like a second and 10. And it was a 24-17 ball game where Minnesota's offense didn't score in the second half. And, and this is one of those, those basic versus advanced math things. The, the call you got from the sideline was, it's a corner blitz here, but the guys in the field went in advanced math and said, well, they know I'm coming. If they know I'm coming, what's the point of me blitzing here? Let's let somebody else blitz who, uh, who they don't know is coming, and let's just flip jobs Ooh. here. It's one of those things that that's not something that the coaches on the sideline were yelling, hey, flip that, flip that. That's the guys in the field saying, we're going to do something advanced here so they don't pick it up. And these are the little things that I think Nebraska's defense could be better in next year. Well, and, and think what it can do. It can, it can add to TFL. It can, it can mm-hmm. add to blowing up drives. It can add to, dare I say, a guy rushing free on third and eight and getting to the quarterback. I mean, that's going to be kind of the, the proof, and we'll talk to Jay more about it, with this defense. You can stop the run. You can get better at getting off the field on third down like they did the last half of the year. I thought they tackled pretty well. I don't doubt their physicality. And when it comes to, to making plays, I mean, you've got guys in a Deontay Williams that, that's kind of a ball hawk. When he's healthy, he's a guy that can go get turnovers for you in, as a safety. Cam Taylor-Britt, special on the edge. You think uh, Tariq Johnson or, or whoever wins that opposite corner spot can be good. And you got a bunch of hard-nosed dudes that, that are going to fill the middle in. Uh, on top of of your options defensive line-wise. So it comes down to who's opposite JoJo, who's going to be opposite Cam Taylor-Britt, and can one of the 11 go kill a quarterback twice a game, right? And and that's really what separates teams from good to dependable to, oh, God, it's third and eight, what happens? Oh, one Mississippi, 12 Mississippi, quarterback's got all day to throw, and they pick up a third down. They kind of smack you in the face and break your will. Oh, they get into field goal range. Or, oh, you hit somebody late. Or there's a targeting call. All those things, right? So there are uh, a lot of steps for the for the defense to take. So we'll, we'll get there with Jay Moore. All right, what are you, what are you buy, buying here? Are you buying this, this report here with Clemson and Florida State out of the ACC, down to the SEC? You have the outgoing Florida State president. Pretty much over the weekend, making it known he's retiring, he's checking out, but he's like, "Look, I don't want Florida State to be left behind." And if if you're the ACC and you've got this grant of rights till 2036 in Notre Dame's Olympic sports, use your conference, but Notre Dame football uh, dates you for a while, but they still see other people like you know Stanford and USC and the service academies. What's reality versus, you know, if you're Clemson, you're going to be in the playoff no matter what. Whether you join the SEC or you stay in the ACC, as long as Dabo's there and you're going 12-1, and one, you're there. You don't need to join and, and somehow survive the SEC East but we said the with a 9-3. No, I, I get it. 
I get it. But if but if Texas was going to join, you kind of got to go with them, right? Because you're dependent on that state for recruiting. And you kind of like slapping them around. Texas, <laughs> well, seriously, Texas wouldn't care if, if they give up the state fair game. I mean, it would it would ruffle some folks, but if it's for money and your own prerogative, Texas would Texas has and will sell their soul for their own best interest. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care if they're with Oklahoma or A and M or they bust up the Big Twelve or they spearhead away out of the S- the, the Southwestern Conference back in the day. They're going to do their own thing. They don't need you at all. Uh, but they found the SEC and they're going to get paid. So what becomes of the ACC if you lose Florida State, if you lose Clemson? Is it possible? And if I'm Florida State, I'm asking, but I get I get Clemson to go with me. And, you know, does that open the door for a power play with the Big Ten and Notre Dame? Because you don't have to do much if you're the Big Ten other than react appropriately. You're making a ton of money now. Jay Moore's on the way with Hale Varsity. Allstate, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run, an NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Oh, it's a great golf day, and I'm sure we're interrupting financial gain. Weather's perfect. We say hi to Blackshirt, Husker, NFL, or co-host, Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay Moore is with us. Jay Bird, tell me you, you put the club down to talk to us. <laughs> no, I had, a, uh, I had some back issues here lately, so uh, I had to uh, withdraw from the, the the stadium in the third round last week. Oh, and, uh, man, I didn't know that. Some, some ba- yeah, yeah, I was going to the third round, warming up, and just was feeling fine. I was just kind of getting ready to warm up, and I just had, to, had that twin. Mm. Happened in the lower back, which I've, I've dealt with before. I haven't had in about three years, uh, but it was just really bad timing. So, um, yeah, I've uh, I haven't I haven't touched a club, swung a club since uh, technically since my second round of the stadium last Wednesday. So, mm. uh, getting over now, everything feels fine now. But uh, yeah, I wish I wish I was out playing golf. It is a beautiful day, but unfortunately, I am uh, healing up and, and trying to make things are all right. Uh, in the back. Well, I, I would ask if you called Deshaun Watson for a number, but that's that's rude of me. <laughs> Just to make sure your back's okay, you know? Get the old massage therapist uh, on it. Yeah. Pronto. No, in, in all seriousness, man, football season's around the corner. It's it's practice number four, and wanted to get your take on when, when you were playing ball, either in the NFL or, or college, how much scheming went in to get after the quarterback versus asking, and I ask this because Coach Shenander really was cool about talking about, you know, what what other Big Ten teams do and what Nebraska can do when it comes to, to getting after the quarterback. You can you can scheme a way to go get a quarterback on a blitz, or you can you can win a one on one. And and I'm interested what what your experience has been like with some of the defenses you've been a part of, and and. One way or the other, I mean, you want you want the same result. You want to go get that that incompletion or TFL on a third down, right? Well, ideally, you'd like to be able to you know sit back with seven and then be able to get home with four if you're you know your front four 
your three down lineman, maybe a really good outside linebacker, uh, rushing the passer, can get home. And you've seen that done quite a bit, you know, with some good college teams, really good NFL teams. That's what makes those defenses so great. But if you don't, you know, then you're going to have to bring five or six and uh, sit back there and, you know, be in some man, man and zone on some stuff. And sometimes you, you might have to get some zero blitzes going where you're bringing, you know, all the safeties and everyone else is man to man and uh, you're, bringing six, you're bringing six or seven guys. So uh, it, it, can be, uh, it can be tough. So you're just – ideally you want to be able to, to have guys where there, there's, some, there's some man up front that can flat out get after the quarterback. And you, you, you don't have to bring – six or seven guys to, to win or get home. You know, you, you'd like to sit back there with seven guys and, and say, hey, good luck. But, unfortunately, that's just not the case. And, you know, there's just so many different ways that, you know, this is going to test with a, you know, in a defense. I mean, you can, you can, you can bring up some zone blitzes. Um, you know, you can bring some boundary blitzes. They come from the short side of the field. You can bring up some field blitzes. Come from, you know, the, the wide side of the field. You can bring them with the middle. You can kind of do all sorts of stuff, you know. Uh, you can drop, you know, you can bring linebackers and, and drop defensive linemen in there. I mean, there's all sorts of different things you can you can go about it. You know, that's just decided, you know, week to week, depending on, you know, what, you know, each opponent struggles with. But, you know, if you, then this is what they're all installing right now. You know, they're 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 getting ready to, uh, you know, they're they're fine tuning these calls. You know, whether you know it's getting ready for, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, or hell, Illinois, first game. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out what uh, what they are most comfortable with, what Janander feels most comfortable with calling when it's, you know, third and short or, or third and long, or hell, even if it's, you know, first or second down, you want to dial something up to, to try to get, you know, things rattled, uh, try to get the offense uh, rattled, rattled up. So, you know, it's just part of the process right now is is getting guys, you know, comfortable with everything, and that's what training camp's for. But, yeah, there's, there's, there's a million different ways to go about it. Jay Moore's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, and, Jay, the Husker defense, you know, it, it was billed as being, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to hold you to, to zero points per game, but it is going to generate turnovers and win that turnover margin. That's something they've struggled with in the past three years is winning the, the turnover battle in games. H- how do you emphasize that? I, I know generating pressure is a huge part of that from sacks and uh, the quarterback throwing it before he wants to. But just through fall camp, how do you emphasize being aggressive enough to get turnovers while not playing reckless? Yeah, it's just it's small things. It's always, you know, ripping for the ball. You know, it's you know the first guy in and in, in the tackle wraps up the guy, and, and then you know the next guy in there is ripping for the football. You know, and then if you get really good at it, you know, like uh, old Peanut Tillman, you know, you'd come in there with your with your uh, with your with your elbow or your fist, and you're, as you're going to tackle, you're able to punch the ball out. And then some guys, you just get the helmet on the ball, and you're not even trying to do that. Just happens sometimes, but uh, you know. You just gotta use the small things. You work on, you drill those things. They probably drill it every day in practice. But it's really the first guy gets in there, wraps it up. The next guy's in there, you know, ripping out the ball. But then it, then it comes to creating, you know, getting some interceptions too. And we all know the secondary is probably the strength of defense uh, with those, those those guys who played a bunch in the back end. So um, just being comfortable in those coverages and, and and knowing where your health is, so you can go shoot your gun and and make a play on the ball because you know you got some help behind you or, or what or or no one you can't take your shot so um if you are in man coverage or whatever you're just trying to get the ball incomplete and, and move on so it's just and this, these guys have been playing this defense have been around the block they've played a ton of football so they should be finally comfortable with everything and and can uh, you know start making those small little detailed moves to create some more turnovers jay moore is with us hail varsity radio black shirt husker nfler 
Jay, that's one thing Shenander talked about today is just the, the, the basic math, math versus the calculus, right, that jump. Mm-hmm. When, when did that, like, hit you where, okay, I know this system so well, I'm going to be able to play free or they're going to be able to put some hot fudge and some caramel and some, some sprinkles on, on these calls. You know, how, I know it's different for, 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 for different guys, but, you know, what's a, what's, a, what's a good point in your career to be able to have it done? Some guys get it as freshmen. Some guys get it as sophomores. Others take longer. I get it, but it's different to a man. But what's, what's average, I guess, in a good way for, okay, for, for somebody to get down a defense for a defense as a whole to be able to yeah. take that next step? Yeah, it's usually uh, year two, or year, you know, if it's if they maybe redshirt, then maybe it's their sophomore season, you know. If they didn't redshirt, then maybe it's you know maybe they picked up a little earlier, so maybe it's their sophomore. Usually by your third year, usually you should have a, a complete total grasp. Now, you know, some of these guys in this defense now have been the same guys, but I mean, hell, this 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 teams that you know, Nebraska have been a struggle because there's new coordinators, new coaches. So mm-hmm. just when you think you're about ready to get a grasp of something, you know, a coach is fired or new defensive coordinators brought in or new offensive coordinators brought in or whatever it is. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of same faces now going into year four. So uh, plenty of guys have, have played a lot of football in, in either scheme. So they should have a good grasp. I mean, that's that's without – that's that's a, that's a given, I, I would think. Mm-hmm. And now it's just understanding and fine-tuning things. You know, it's, it's – you know your alignment and assignment. Now it's just honestly – I think I told you this before now, before earlier, is, you know, it's understanding why the offense is trying to do things. To you. you know, you know your, your, your alignment and what you need to do, where your help is. Okay, let's, now you can really start to cheat things a little bit. You know if this wide receiver split like this or this tight end is, you know, aligned like this or this tackle is like this or this fullback offset like this. You're like, okay, now I know what they're trying to get me to do. So now I can even be one step quicker and almost cheat it one way or another to help me play a little faster or make that play or do whatever I need to do to get to the flat or, or to, you know, get a, get a jam on the tight end so I can help my safety out and then I can get to the flat. So this is, that's just the process. So these, these guys should be, you know, all the guys that have, have, have played going into the third year within the system, they should be well comfortable to start making bigger steps. Jay, I want to look ahead to week one a little bit, or I guess I should say week zero against Illinois, uh, because uh, from your experience as a player, I mean, usually Nebraska and most Power 5 schools will open their uh, their season with a, a cupcake game, a game that's going to be a win, mm-hmm. but Nebraska does not have it this year. They have a team that beat them last year and really took them to the wire two years ago in Illinois. Uh, so when you, when you look at that, do you think this team's going to have extra motivation as they make it through the, the dog days of fall camp? Oh, they better. I mean, they better. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they better figure it out. Because right? you, you start 0-1 and get, uh, you go to Champaign and get beat, and you lose game one, you're in week zero to Illinois. You know, this is, this is, I mean, every game's big, but this might be the biggest of them all. You know, this, this team has to get off to a good start. You know, so I don't think there's, there needs to be any extra motivation. I mean, this team has not been good. I mean, they have not been a, a good football program. Uh, the last few years, and you know, now it's time to take some strides. Uh, you know, the, the, the pressure is getting uh, more and more, ev- you know, evident, and they need to start making some moves, and that starts from the top on down. Because this, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't a, you know, paid vacation type of deal, man. This is, this is, this is winning. You know, it's big business, so they need to start winning some football games. And you, you, you come out and lay an egg against Illinois game one. Uh, 
you know, I know they have a new staff with with the hog farmer coming in there. So uh, that's that's uh, that's it's, it's going to be a tough task. But you know, I I think these guys are going to be. I hope the maturity of this football team. This football team is older, so I think they're going to be totally uh, well aware of what this game, this first game, means. Because obviously, you'd like to go, you'd like to be undefeated, head down to Norman. That tough battle, but uh, we've seen different, we've seen crazier things. Obviously, with this football program in the last few years, so you need to be maybe on key every on on the on point every single day. Walkthroughs, meetings. Uh, they can't they can't afford a, a a day off or you know a bad practice because uh, this this game one against Illinois means a lot. Jay Moore's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, about thirty seconds. Are you um, are you excited about where the offense can go? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I am. I, I'm excited. You know, I think just where you, we just talk about the the oldest team is mm-hmm. getting. You know, it excites me, but I'm not. I'm still not going to put you know the cart before the horse. I think you know there's been there's been too many. Uh, <laughs> there's some wounds that haven't healed yet from the mistakes that they've made in the past. Where I'm just like, well, it's kind of wait and see. Like you, you got a you got a QB that's going into his fourth year. You got. Um, o line, a group of O linemen that have played some good football and um, good young players stepping up behind them. You finally get some more help at uh, the wide receiver spot. Um, you know, the, the running back position is kind of up in the air, but I'm not that's too concerned with that. But I, I do think they can make some big strides in the terms of Adrian. I mean, he's the most important guy in this offense as any QB is, and I think if he stays healthy, uh, this, this football, this offense can, can really kind of get to rolling. Um, and it'll be fun to watch. It will be fun to get the defense going, and I think this this, this offense can can do some things finally that you know we've probably been used to seeing at Oregon or mm-hmm. or even at uh, Central Florida. But again, you know we we were thought we'd see this a lot earlier. Um, you know we probably still have we've seen that times we've seen flashes of it. Uh, now it's just time to get more consistent with it and kind of you know we're here to get it week in and week out. Um, even when you're, you know, when you will be playing tougher opponents like Michigan and mm-hmm. um, Oklahoma and Ohio State, so it'll be fun to see. Jay, we'll do this again. Thanks for the time, brother. Yep, you got it. Chime in four zero two four six six ESPN or email the show Chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's a Monday edition, Husker Monday with Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore, just last segment. Charlie McBride in 20 minutes, Mr. Blackshirt. And then uh, part of the pipeline, Dr. Rob Zadiska, you know, his podcast, Doc Talk Sports. So Dr. Rob going to be with us next hour. A little O-line, D-line, and then a motivating defensive coordinator. So, Elijah, how would you have felt to forego your senior season at Lincoln Southeast and uh, go play football at Ohio State? Uh, Quinn Ewers, the number two prospect in 2022, skipping his senior season to, uh, to enroll early at Ohio State. How is this possible? Well, it, it just is. He's out of South Lake Carroll, Texas. He had been with Texas, then decommitted, did so because, you know what, he he wants to get to Columbus and start pursuing the NIL benefits. Ohio State has three other quarterbacks between last year's recruiting class and 2022 that are insanely high prospects. But uh, when it comes to his ability to profit off NIL, it exists in Columbus 
Apparently, it did not in Austin. Well, yeah, uh, the the Texas high school like athletic commission essentially said that no high school athletes can profit off their name, image, and likeness. So he would have had to go another what six months without profiting. You know, Bevo's going to have himself a chat with the Texas High School Athletic Association. Well, I mean, my problem with it is just. If you can, I mean, he he graduated through his summer course. He had one course left that he took in the summertime. He's getting ready to finish that up now, and then he is going to be off to Ohio State. I'm not sure how that factors into eligibility. I, I believe that would make this his first year of eligibility then mm-hmm. with Ohio State, which is it, it's strange to me because from the quarterback position, it's that's one of the positions where you want as much time practicing before your first season as possible. Um, so he's going to have to use up his redshirt season this year. Um, probably not even a position where he's going to be ready to see the field for his limited three, four games, you know. Um, and plus, Ohio State's loaded at quarterback anyway. So it makes me go, why not just go play your senior season, have a super easy class schedule, and then go enroll at Ohio State in January? You're going to miss out on that much money between the months of August and December? Here's what I think. I think Ohio State's like, dude, we need to get you out of Texas because when push comes to shove – we may lose you at the 12th hour. I mean, just think of the full court press, Texas or Jimbo or Sark or the powers that be would be putting on. We're talking full court press to get a difference maker at quarterback like this. I mean, he's in that that realm of top quarterback in the country like Sunshine, right, that's been at Clemson for 100 years and, and won. Uh, with with Lawrence. Vince Young, another guy that's kind of reminiscent of the level of of talent. Now, Nebraska would have had Vince Young. Just an aside there. That got screwed up, and he went to, 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 to Texas. But, but let's not forget here on the other end of the spectrum, Tate Martell was this highly touted as well. No, he was. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, if this kid's already, like, bolting high school to go get – enrolled early and get it down hey maybe he's not expecting to play he wasn't going to play anyway so he's just gonna scout team it and get it down maybe it's okay maybe he's not gonna be a future transfer and for all we know he's unhappy the other part of this too if, if if he's from south lake carroll and he said no to texas he said yes then he said no i don't know his family situation but I can imagine that, that there's some pressures on mom and dad or whatever, whoever's his guardian, where you, you told Texas yes, and then you told Texas no, and you're going to Ohio State. That probably isn't a great family situation for mom or dad's work, just being real. I mean, stuff like that happens in Alabama, in Texas, in, in, in some football factory states where, listen, uh, you don't tell the home state school no – or will make your life a living hell. I mean, not to mention, this is a 18-year-old kid, too, who's probably going to be getting some some stick from the, the student sections he's going up against, even though their uh, parent sections he's going up against. Whenever he goes out on the town, people are going to be saying, oh, that's the kid that's going to Ohio State instead of Texas. But I don't want to be too quick to rush to judgment. For all I know, maybe he just wasn't challenged by his high school coursework anymore and wanted to get some college-level courses out of the way. Um, maybe he, he just, just a, a scholar he, like that. Well, he might be, but he, I mean, good for, good for Quint. I mean, I hope it works out for him because I think he's a dude that could, if he's going to go in and just put the work in a year early versus January mm-hmm. and see what it's like, 
Oh, this, maybe, maybe he's a prodigy. This is 10 times better than him saying, I'm going to sit out my senior year and then still enroll at Ohio State in January. That Who were we talking about that did that? Some uh, college kid or some high school kid. Yeah, who was off to Texas, I think. Yeah. Um, running back. and, uh, yeah, and Yes, like the number one running back in the country. Yeah, and this is 10 times better than that. If he's going to be headed off to Ohio State, I, I can't blame the kid. I mean, yeah, go get your college career underway now and – NFL teams want to get you in and developed young too. So if you can get your three years in pretty quick and you're still a young kid going to the draft after you use three years of eligibility, you can think about your future as well. It's one less year of toll on your body, I guess, in high school football. Um, so at least he's not just sitting out, still going to high school and then saying, okay, I'll go to Ohio State and I'll just leave my, my high school teammates by the side of the road. Uh, it's not that. He, he's probably looking for his, uh, his best interest here. And if he can go make a million dollars in his first six months at Ohio State, I mean... I, who am I to tell you you can't do that? You'll make you'll make something. You've got Stroud, you've got Miller, you've got McCord. Those are your three. And you've had back-to-back first-round guys go for Ohio State. It had been a thousand years since you've had any any Big Ten quarterbacks get drafted in the first round. I mean, you got to go back to Kerry Collins, right, for forever until – uh, Ohio State popped a couple, so there's that. We'll. Um, I mean, I just saw this from uh, uh, Bill Rabinowitz. Uh, he says uh, that now that he's enrolling, now he becomes the uh, the highest rated player in the modern era of recruiting to ever um, be off to Ohio State. He's now uh, jumps in ahead of Trail Prior, just in terms of like the scouting, like the metrics. Um, he and is let's pray the for Ohio State's. Sanity that he's not the headache that Terrell Pryor ended up being. I mean, Tattoo Gate. Terrell Pryor was still a phenomenal athlete. Oh, Ohio he was. State. But look at those guys. He was great. But look, for the last ten years, look what it took. To, look what it took to get him out of Pennsylvania, though. I mean, you know, stuff was was a little shaky and shady. And then, oh, by the way, yeah, I'll 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 sign some helmets. Just make sure my sleeves done. So, and it took down a coach. Took down <laughs> took down Jim Tressel. In August, before kickoff. And then he had Luke Fickle step in. Should also be noted that him reclassifying into this 2021 class means that Ohio State has opened up another scholarship in their class of 2022. Who knows if they have someone in mind there. But They'll, they'll go find another quarterback. Yeah, exactly. You, you know how the Buckeyes. They'll go find another five-star. They'll work on it. Hey, uh, you, to, to be the man, you, you got to beat the man. And you do that by getting third down pressure on said quarterback phenom right all right uh good stuff there we'll spend some time with charlie mcbride rob zadiska hour two loaded up still a window for you to jump in at four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five chris at hailvarsity.com and find us on twitter at schmidt underscore radio at herbal essence we'll wind down hour one next and now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We will get the uh, lowdown on, well, the 20 to 6 destruction by Alpha and 10 11. Softball went well. 20, 20 to 26 to 6. Oh, so you guys covered. Oh yeah, oh, we covered and then some. We we so put up twenty six uh, to six. We put up ten in the first. No, no, fourteen in the first two innings. Jeez. Yeah. So who who was coaching third? Um, it it was uh kind of changing every single inning. Uh, but D well, Wayne, guys, your arms were tired. D D Wayne was head coach, waving so, him uh, home. So D, did he give D you Wayne a massive pep talk? D 
Wayne. Yeah, he gave us a pretty good little, little pep talk in the in the dugout, and you could just tell like was Ch- there breaking Lee. glass and swearing. We got to we should call him. Um, it's uh, if you check out, I, I believe the uh, the ten eleven uh, news, like the Facebook page, they had a little yeah. live stream. I think you can see uh, a little bit of his pregame speech in there. Okay, so yeah. he, he brought the fire. Okay, so that was good. How did how did you do? Uh, well, no errors at first. Oh, you did? Well, dude, did you go Buckner? Are you responsible for three of the six runs? The, okay, so one was. Uh, I'm calling an error on myself because it probably was. It was a, a slow roller down that first base side that just got caught up in the grass. And like with those 60 feet baselines, I was trying to hustle to, to pick it up and get it over to first. And I, I booted it a little bit. So it would have been a close play anyway. I'll take the error on that one. And then there was one that was scored as an error on me. I think it was a throwing error from the shortstop. It was pretty Who's wide. playing short? Let's Will see. Wilson. <laughs> Of course. So the mullet got in the way on the release. So it was it was a little bit wide. Um, I had a, a pretty good stretch over there with my frame. You're uh, six, I, what four? Six three. Six. Okay. So six, w- three. with my frame, I got you some have long, long arms, arms, long legs, long legs. You need and you lefty. I'm righty. Okay. So, so it, it was it was across the body. Backhand across the body. Backhand across the body, and it just tipped off the end of the glove. And uh, they didn't even get an extra base out of it. They just got safe to first because it, it like stayed right there. And I'll I'll take it on it because you know I'm a I'm an adult and I can uh, I can handle that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, as we passively aggressively <laughs> give him the people's elbow on his throw from short over to first base. <laughs> um, but then we, we had one overthrow that uh, that I kept to just a uh, it was overthrow first, and I kept it to just one extra base because Where, where'd I, that I, come from? Uh, that one came from third base. Who's suits. playing third? I believe it was Suits that inning. Okay. So uh, so when I see Suits... Or maybe again, it may have been JP. Play. Okay, but, Suits at practice. I'm going to have to ask him about his play at third. But but then I went in and uh, I went and got it from the wall and just absolute cannon right back to the pitcher, and I kept that runner at second base. Okay. So I, I, I felt good about that one. And then from the plate, three bloop singles, which... Didn't have the power that I wanted, but it's on base three times. Got a couple RBIs, got a couple I runs. think if we were to give a, a, a comparison... To uh, your your pro, Elijah Herbal, it'd be Sid Bream. Do I know who that is? Look up Sid Bream. Look up Sid Bream on YouTube. Former Pirate, Brave, and he beat Barry Bonds' 17 hopper home. Oh, Lord, I'd love to have a mustache like this, dude. Well, you start growing it now. Reminder about moving. All right, West Blue Realty. Uh, give them a shout today. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding community. They'll make this uh, next move a smooth one for you. Uh, look, the time is now to find that home, and you know how limited they are with the housing market. You mentioned Hale Varsity. West Blue can give you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby, Kelly Hofschneider, they is as good as it gets. Tom Luby's number at 402 402- 540-3768. Give Kelly a shout. Kelly Hoffsnyder at 402-202-2312-1120K Street Suite 200. WestBlueRealty.com. Coach McBride. Mr. Blackshirt next. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Into Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, a 
Husker Monday. Good stuff from Jay Moore and Dr. Rob Zadiska will be with us here in a little while. We say hi to Mr. Blackshirt. Mondays with Charlie. Coach Charlie McBride with us. Coach, how was the weekend? How's the weather up there? Beautiful. Just, you know, the whole week it's supposed to be nice after a couple of weeks of bad stuff, but it's it's supposed to be, you know, this is August and it should be, you know. we I found out the other day we've only had one one day in the 90s. Hmm. It's been all the hot weather's been in the 80s, high 80s and stuff, and humidity, of course, is sucks, you know, but... <laughs> Well, it's got to make you smile and think back to all those Tua days. <laughs> Listen, they don't do Tua days anymore, do they? No, they don't. Oh, please! You're making me. Uh, <laughs> that, how do they? How do they ever get ready to play? I they uh, they they don't do Tua days anymore, and there's only a certain amount of days they can be in full pads and. Coach Chenander was probably kind of sick of it or sick about it, not being able to be padded up. But you had to love two-a-days, man. I mean, you'd roll in. I did. That's when you teach. That's the teaching part. That's the most fun of coaching. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's when he (laughs) – but I guess, you know, some of these guys that that don't coach or don't play made all those rules and – I I can't figure that out. I think I think that if you get um you know the NCAA I think they've done close to as lousy as you can get the mm-hmm. job of of doing stuff because they're, they're they're just you know some of the things that they've done I think have really hurt the game because you know I mean when you talk about not tackling and not doing things that you know that's that that, that stuff starting to you know, it happened to everybody, you know, because of it, you know, and then a lot of these, a lot of these people that were ex pro coaches, of course, they have a way of doing things and, mm-hmm. you know, that's the way they, they do it. But, uh, it's pretty much, you know, like we, we just were a little more alive, but I've been to some pro camps, so they're whacking each other. I mean, during the week and, they're in pads and they're doing, you know, doing some hitting, but it's not, um, it's not, you know, take take them to the ground stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just it's thud is what they call it, yeah. I guess. And uh, you know, they they'll run into you now. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and what's good is you watch it, and then pretty soon there's a fight break out, and you know somebody. It's always those linemen holding. Those defensive linemen don't like that stuff. Well, that's that's what I thought. I mean, it's always the offensive lineman's fault if you ask the defensive line, and then if you ask the offensive lineman, you got a couple of defensive guys or more with a screw loose uh, when it gets to the line of scrimmage. Well, the defensive guys they they go through the throat first. <laughs> oh, okay. they, they'll try to get their hands in there on your throat, choke the heck out. That's the deal. That's a that's how it starts. <laughs> then the offensive yeah. lineman will cut him. Uh, 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 they won't cut him. Okay. No, no, they they won't do that. Uh, that that's that's a no no and a big time. And and the same thing with backs cutting. You know they yeah. don't do that. Backs don't cut guys running blitzes and stuff. And uh, but which I think is good. But then when you talk about the tackling thing, 
now you got I think the neat the neat stuff started coming up mm-hmm. last year a pretty big percentage you know with this uh, helmet thing sure. with in in college no, and I... so and who knows? I don't know. I want to go back to the fights. So how it would escalate was defense, <laughs> defensive guy would go for offensive guy's throat, and then how would the offensive guy respond? Well, I'd punch him. <laughs> <laughs> so who, about what day? Well, that, that one, it isn't hard to figure that one out. No, I, I, you know? I, I get it. I get it. But about what, and then, di- what and day? Then Mil- and then Milt and I started yelling at each other. So it, <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, funny. <laughs> Oh, so and then, and then when it's all over, when our one-on-one stuff's all over with, or our teamwork's all over with, then we all start laughing at each other. That's good. Now, now, did Mill ever catch a Charlie McBride right cross? I don't think so. Did it ever get close? To what? Did you and Milt ever go beyond verbal? No. I, I, no. I, I didn't think so. Yeah. You never know with how no. practice can get. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> Well, no, no, none of us are strong enough after a while to punch each other, so it doesn't make any difference. But two swings and we'd be done. <laughs> Charlie McBride's with us. Mondays with Charlie Hale, Varsity Radio. So, Coach, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what, what Coach Janander has defensively and pretty excited with an experienced team. I wanted to ask you this about scheming uh, pressure. How much did you you scheme pressure, and and how much of it did you just say just go win the the one on one matchup with your front four? Well, we we were pressure defense. Yeah. I mean, we 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 rushed, we we'd pressure on every down there was. I mean, we were not. That was one of the things that helped us. We being a pressure defense, you know, it's like. Um, it gives kids a chance to run and do things instead of standing there and just banging around the same old, same old every play. Sure. I mean, that's, that stuff gets old after a while. It's kind of a, you know, it breaks up the monotony of things. But I think a lot of times, I mean, even when you look at the the, the, the pro game, some games these guys play more zone and some play more man mm-hmm. at times. You know where there are pressure. Uh, you know some quarterbacks. It depends on the quarterback a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know if you're playing an option team, you're sure not going to run a whole lot of blitzes. Anything you do will be coming off the edge, mm-hmm. and it would probably be fit for it. one of the things would be forcing the quarterback to pitch. Sure. Or you know, so he wouldn't run it if you had a if running back. That was your dangerous guy, uh, and the quarterback wasn't as dangerous. Then you then you scheme your blitzes to go to the running back. Mm-hmm. You know your your defensive end would play different. You know in, in some of the stuff, and um, so it it all depends on the kind of options and and things like that. But what we did is we had uh, against certain sets that week. We would say, okay, against this set. We want to blitz them, but we want to play our base defense too. So if we're winning and we don't want to blitz, we would put a play it call on after the the defense was called. Mm-hmm. In other words, if we called the eleven robber, say for example, we would say play it. If we were blitzing, let's just say we we schemed a blitz for no backs. Okay. 
and, and what we do is we'd call if they came out in Novak's, you know, we we play the defense. I mean that we play, but if we they were they could go to Novak's, and we knew it, then we would we would might call live, you know, eleven Robert live, meaning that if they did go to the Novak's, we would run a blitz against Novak's. If they did not come out in it, we just play eleven robber. Okay. Now, if we said play it, it's locked. <laughs> it, 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 sure. It's locked in. I mean, we're playing it against snowbacks and everything. Okay. So different different sets. A lot of times we'll, um, you know, run run uh, blitzes on, and and sometimes in college, a lot of times it'd be more hash mark stuff. You know, you can do a few things more on the hash mark because you got the open field and you got the short side. Where in pro ball, it's more middle of the field all the time. You know. So it's uh, it's kind of a different game uh, in in that respect. But pressure is, is is a must. I mean, I don't, I, you know, if you got some quarterback standing back in the pocket passing all day, you need to kill that guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, you need to make him put him to sleep or something. You know, but if you got a guy coming on the edge and he's always coming out on play action stuff, then you probably want more stuff coming too from the outside. Uh, you know, type of blitzing. So, you know, you scheme it all. It just depends on if he's mobile or a statue. And what what mm-hmm. what stuck out to you? And I want to go back to this because I remember it, and we've talked about the game, the Florida-Nebraska national title game, but you, 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 it's not that you'd never done zone blitzes before, but Florida had no answer for it. And right. you, you drop a defensive end, and here comes Jamel Williams or Terrell Farley or – or uh, Phil Ellis. I mean, yeah. you guys just went to <laughs> yeah. town, right? And and for right. What, well, what if was you it? played zone, if you were playing a zone, yeah. You, what, what you really in a zone blitz? You were really running rushing four people. Yes. But you were doing it in a different manner. Like you said, you take an outside backer and the defensive end may what we called it rush end. That mm-hmm. was our outside. That now is an outside backer, but you're. I don't know how to explain it to, to the, their terminology, mm-hmm. but uh, you just switch assignments. And, but you make the the, uh, the def- defensive lineman think by maybe taking a step up the field or two steps or something like that, and then dropping to a to a hook zone mm-hmm. or to a, you know to a zone that we had called. And our zones are colors. Okay. So if you were red or blue or something, then like let's just say you were red, you're in the basic hook zone. Okay. If you were a blue, then you know if, if this blitz said to go to blue, that's a turn in. You know, turn. Mm-hmm. Basically, we call it turn into flat. You know, and then there's a flat call where you say a green call would be you go to the flat, you take off. I mean, it's you're you got to plant your foot and let her fly. Okay. <laughs> What? So that's that's what you, now a, a fire zone is is what we did a lot of, which was a five man blitz, and that's where you we dropped everybody. Uh, and and it, like I said, in one year, Steve Warren was leading our team in interceptions. We dropped him, and he had three interceptions. That's good. That's yeah, trying to throw it back, coming across the middle, you know, or releasing him late or something like that. We drop our nose. 
he's standing right there waiting for the quarterback to throw it to him. <laughs> you know, so you know a lot of that stuff is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, it's fun and it's fun in practice and. But you still have to rep it a lot, and that's why I think when you have that many people, that's why I think four stations is important. And I think by by doing that, you know, you can do a lot of things. And we taught our blitzes in groups. In other words, if we ran a middle blitz, we might have uh, we never messed with the secondary or the coverage, okay. but we could mess with the front. So we could change all what all the guys up front did, and sometimes that one linebacker, you know, we could we could we could change a lot of it. So, uh, you know, it, it. But we didn't want to mess with the secondary too much, you know, because you know that's too much thinking. I mean, I mean that's crazy stuff. You know, you don't have the days in the week to do that. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Mondays with Charlie. Coach, about a minute and a half left here. This is this is awesome to hear kind of the, the nuts and bolts behind the, the action. But as you look at this defense, I mean, do you feel pretty good about their their progress? I mean, it sounds like, you know, Coach Janander's pretty excited. Just because they've got so much experience back, they can really they can do a, they could potentially do some pretty exotic things. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I think that these, these kids, I would guess that to start out with, they probably have as good athletes as we had. I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, there's, it's, it's now it comes down to, you know, figuring out what are the right things to do with those athletes. As soon as, you know, we changed our defense, we're sitting there with what Dante Jones and Trev Albers, you've got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. They're going to be humming Hayaka all the time. They're not going to. The only time they're going to drop is a zone blitz, and we didn't do that while they were even there. Uh-huh. So they were coming every time. But we are. Their alignments were different, and it's funny because people are afraid to adjust that that outside guy. And we played them sometimes a yard to a yard and a half outside the end, and you're you're. Normally, you're in a, a, a nine technique or mm-hmm. a seven, a nine outside, a seventh inside shoulder. We didn't play a lot of seven. I didn't like that stuff, you know. That, but against option football, it's you're killing yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, I don't know. There's so many different things you can do against certain teams, and that's what you have to do in the summer. You look at Oklahoma, let's take Ohio State. You look at their offense, they're going to change a few things. You'll know by the time you get to them. And but but it'll be it'll be something that you can think about in the summertime and and work on each team individually as far as what blitzes you think are the best against that their play actions and their runs and so on and so forth. Charlie McBride with us, Mondays with Charlie. Coach, this was a lot of fun. We're getting closer to the season, getting underway here, under 30 days. and You know, the, the thing they need to do, though, is they need to start playing Smash Mouth instead of Brownies and Fairies. Yeah. Well, I think you might. I mean, not, not, no, I mean, I mean, they need to get reckless. Ah. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, go ahead and make a mistake, but make it 1,000 miles an hour. 
<laughs> Go hit somebody. I like it. Coach, right. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back at you next Monday. Awesome to chat. Thanks so much for the time today. Yep, I'm getting fired up. You know that. No, I know. Okay. <laughs> we'll play brownies and fairies next week. Okay, talk to you next See week. Ya. Thanks for having me. I'll Thank be, you. I'll be here, I hope. <laughs> And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some old line. Let's talk to a Husker great. Let's talk to a podcast host. Uh, you have the Doc Talk Sports, uh, Rob Zadiska, Travis Justice. I know you love listening to it uh, at Doc Talk Sports on Twitter's where you find them. And Dr. Rob, what's good, man? It's August. Camp time is here. How are you? Oh, my God. I'm just glad that we're staring down the season starting up at all levels right now compared to where we were last year at this time where it was like you didn't know if society was shutting down, let alone the football season. So um, I like where we're at right now. I think we're going to be moving forward with these seasons, and I can't wait to get started. No, we'll get uh, your take on some realignment issues, some thoughts on the Big Red as we go into the season. But Coach Frost uh, name-dropped you and some of your other offensive line brethren uh, last week at the press conference. Can you share or just give us kind of a, a, a... kind of recap of you know what uh, what your role and some of the other offensive linemen's role were when it comes to touching base with this year's group this year's core group of offensive linemen really that position group is in general you know it was really nothing more than you know some of those guys on that o-line had kind of reached out about maybe wanting to get to know some of the guys that had played previously and some of the groups that had had uh pretty good runs of success in the past and just try and pick our brains a little bit and get to know us a little bit in terms of some of the strategies we used, whether it was kind of finding cohesiveness as a group mentality in terms of dealing with the day ins and day outs of practices going against what's a, I mean, Nebraska's got a really good group of defensive linemen coming in this year. Um, and so it's, I mean, I mean, you almost need strategies for practice. I mean, we kind of had sort of a mindset and a mantle strategy when we were going out and you had to blood go against guys like Kevin Raymakers and Terry Keneally and Christian brothers and mm-hmm. Dante Jones and Grant Wistrom and practice every day. I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of a tough group of guys that you've got to go butt heads with just on a day in and day out basis. So sort of having a strategy of how to approach guys like that and then how to take that same strategy and translate that into the games. Because if you can go out and have a really hard, really aggressive practice against a Peter brother or Grant Wistrom or Terry Keneally, you're going to do just fine come game time. So, and that was kind of one of the things I think we really tried to part is that, you, you know, I mean, I, I hate going back to Banker's comment about the, the referring to Iowa practices, they must be bloodbaths. Well, those Nebraska practices under Osborne, I don't want to say they were brutal. But if you could make it through a full path, full speed practice, 
whether it was ones versus ones, whether it was goal line drills, whatever, against those guys in practice, you're going to be just fine come game time. And that was kind of the thing we wanted to impart to them is you go out there, every practice you're not taking anything off of those guys. You're going out there, you're going to go full speed. And as an offensive lineman, you got to have the mentality that you're going to own that practice. You're going to own the line of scrimmage against those guys over on the defense. And because it's Ty Robinson, it's the black shirts, um, it's Casey Rogers, it's, it, it doesn't matter. You're going to go out there and you're going to absolutely own that line of scrimmage, and we really wanted those guys to pick up on that kind of mentality. Well, mentality is so key, and you touched on the, the translative part. Dr. Rob Zadiska with his Husker standout, uh, part of the pipeline, of course, Hale Varsity Radio joining us today. So is it is it that day in, day out, where you're going to kind of breed some confidence going in day after day with with a lunch pail uh an attitude uh that, that maybe this o line we know they're talented or at least on paper they're talented and you see the the measurables rob they're big they're big and they're fast and they're strong but is that maybe a missing puzzle piece that you maybe feel a little bit better about going into this year uh on top of the chemistry portion I, I do, and I, you know, I mean, again, you want those guys to take ownership of the mm-hmm. team. You want them to take ownership of those practices. You want that day in and day out intensity to be there. You don't want the. I mean, we kind of had the attitude. We didn't want to walk off the practice field at any any practice and have the defense remotely think they got the better of us at any point. And, again, if you can do that against a, a pretty solid defense, and I think Nebraska is going to have a really good defense. If, if you look back last year, which with the whole COVID situation, the messed up schedule, all of that, um, I know it was kind of a – I don't want to call it a throwaway year because I think there's good things that came out of it. But even with all of those issues they had with COVID – one of the things that really stuck out to me was I thought the defense played really good football for the most part last year. It was just you had an offense that just wasn't putting up the points you needed to win games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you can go in, go into the season knowing you've had a really great, and not just great, but consistently great run of practices against Nebraska's current defense – I think that's going to pay huge dividends for the offense this year. I mean, that's that's kind of the things the thing I want to see this offense do is go out there and dominate these practices because if they can do that, they're going to hold up fine against a lot of teams. And that's what that's where it all starts is that intensity in practice, that domination in practice. You want to handle that intensity because if you can do it in practice, the games are going to get a heck of a lot easier. Dr. Rob Zadiska is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Rob, a lot was made at the end of last year about the fact that a, a quarterback was the leading rusher for the Huskers last season. And uh, whenever you look at, at this team coming into 2021, uh, we still don't really know who the running back is going to be. So I, I just want to ask you, how important do you think it is as an offensive lineman to know through fall camp who, who your starting running back is going to be and, and building a relationship with that running back? 
Well, and you need that. I mean, not just for that relationship between the blockers and the running back, but but on the whole, you need somebody who can just kind of help carry that load. Anytime the quarterback's your leading rusher, I don't know, maybe unless it's a wishbone offense like Air Force with like D. Dallas under sure. Fisher to Barry or Jamel Holloway at Oklahoma under under Switzer. Maybe maybe you can make it work then. But otherwise, you've got to be able to kind of spread that load around a little bit. I, if you want, from a historical standpoint or reference, I thought that was actually one of the weaknesses of that 2001 Nebraska team was the fact that Crouch carried so much of that load. Now, I understand you've got a Heisman guy, a quarterback. They're going to carry a fair amount of that load. It's just you back it up a little bit more to go back when you had Berenger, when you had Frazier, when you had Frost as the quarterback. You had guys who are Heisman caliber quarterbacks, but they didn't have to carry 100% of the load because you went – three deep at running back with NFL caliber guys on those football teams back then. you got to have a guy who can uh, shoulder some of that load, and I think that's going to be kind of the key thing. Now, in terms of establishing a relationship with that guy, yeah, you do have to have that as well, because when you're blocking for a guy, you tend to know tendencies. Hey, if I'm blocking an edge guy, is that running back, is he going to be more prone to bounce it outside, or is he one of those guys who likes to pick up a little contact and he's going to cut it underneath my block? Knowing those kind of things can be huge in terms of how you're going to set up those blocks for a given guy. And you want to have at least two, if not three, running backs that you can establish that kind of relationship with. I think for Nebraska's offense to really, really click, you're going to need minimum two running backs who can go out there and consistently get you the yardage. You can't be just Gabe Irvin going out there and getting a bunch of yards, and then you got a few guys oh. whose, pure, whose sole role is to just give him a break. Right. I mean, you want to see a guy like Stett be able to move in there. There's a couple of other guys on that roster that I think can get some yardage. They've got to be guys that can consistently be productive running backs and get you tough yardage in key situations when the game is on the line. It can't be just the first-string guy. You've got to have a couple of guys that can do that. And knowing what those guys tend to these are is going to be very key as the season goes along. Oscar standout, uh, part of the pipeline, Rob Zadiska with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Dr. Rob, of course, at Doc Talk Sports, his podcast with Travis Justice. Rob, when you look at, at the offensive line and you look at Jurgens and what well, uh, he's kind of coming into his own potentially, uh, you look at the two tackles, one has a lot of snaps in Ben Hart, one has maybe a little over 100 in, in Turner, but uh, that was a good uh, good demo uh, against Rutgers. You, you feel good about Piper, the left guard. You're figuring out right guard, but Greg Austin's got a lot of dudes to choose from on top of some young, some young pups that, that are waiting in the wings. Overall, um, how do you feel about the line moving forward? I know you've spent time with them. You've outlined the mentality side, and Frost touched on that, but overall uh, with this group, you know, what can they be and, and what can they drive the offense to be? 
Well, I think they could be really, really good. I, I thought last year they were really kind of coming kind of coming into their own mm-hmm. as the season went on last year. I'd like to see from an offensive standpoint, a play-calling standpoint, a little bit more consistency, especially with the run game. I mean, because I think these are guys that they're not afraid to get in there and mix it up and bang heads with people. Um, and so you've got guys that I think can play – it's just that at some point you got to stop throwing passes in the flat. Yeah, I mean, when the offense is relying on passes to the flat, screens, things like that, I mean, that's not helping. If you're an offensive line, that's not putting you in a position to do what you're good at. So you've got to try and get the ball moving vertically. And whether it's passing downfield, I, I thought Nebraska's pass protection last year was not horrible. I mean, there's games where you had some guys uh, like the Iowa game where you, it, Iowa has two had two NFL guys on that D line. You're gonna have you're gonna have some hiccups against a defensive line like that. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio. Rob Zadiska, Husker, uh, great, and part of the pipeline. We're talking Nebraska's direction offensively. We need to try to move the ball vertically, both running the ball as well as passing it, and put these guys in a position to kind of showcase what they're actually capable of doing. So I, I've got a lot of faith in some of them. I thought, you know, you talk about Jurgens coming into his own. You know, as the season went along, the snapping thing, he kind of got it down. His blocking ability's always been there. The guy is an explosive blocker, and I think he's really, really good. It's, it's just a, how do you showcase the explosiveness of your center as a blocker when it's a pass to the flat? Right. It, sure. It just doesn't really give you an opportunity. I mean, it doesn't matter if, if Jurgens is lighting up the nose guard or that backside D tackle if it's a pass to the flat. It just doesn't. I want to see Nebraska lean on that run game. I want to see them do what they did in the Iowa game last year where they, they lined up and they actually kind of tried to leave the ball in the hands of the run game for the better part of that game, and it kept it close. I think Iowa just had a really, really good defense last year. Nebraska's offense on the whole wasn't gelling. I don't think the quarterback position was very settled all of last year, and they didn't have – Anybody they were comfortable step having step in and take over as sort of the the lead running back that ball to a guy twenty twenty five times a game and that's what I want to see. Rob, I want to see him give it to somebody else another fifteen. I want to see the second string guy get fifteen carries. So it's just I don't think I don't think the play calling and the offense on the whole put these guys in position to do what they needed to do. You know, we'll see where they go with with more of a voice to, to Lubick, right, and and Greg Austin, because I, I have an idea what those two want to do. <laughs> I think they want to kind of ground and pound it and and lean on that offensive line. Rob, oh, absolutely. You know, what, let's talk a second about expansion here, and and we know what Oklahoma and Texas have done. A report from uh, a couple of media folks down in Florida earlier today that uh, they have sources that say that, look, the SEC has reached out to Florida State and Clemson 
which the SEC when it wants to keep adding, uh, go for it. Now, you know, that leaves Notre Dame as, as a wild card. I, I just don't know what to make of the, the ACC because of their grant of rights deals through 2036. Uh, your reaction? That's, that's gonna, go ahead. Yeah, that's going to be kind of a wild card. I'm also one of those guys that if you want to stay strict with how these teams are in regards to when you're looking at that grant of rights and how mm-hmm. strong that is, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I don't know. I think a contract's only as good as the piece of paper it's printed on and the, and the individual members on who have signed their names at the bottom of it. And a few of those people decide, Hey, we're out of here. You see those grants of rights. You see those contracts. I think they'll, they'll there's ways to, get through those. I mean, it's, do, do we really think Oklahoma and Texas are going to be playing in the Big 12 until 2025? No shot, brother. They're moving next year. <laughs> I mean, I know, and that's, that's my point. The grant of rights for the Big 12. Now, I do know everybody says the grant of rights in the ACC is through 2036. And I'm told, if you look at a, a lot of the pundits who know more about this than I do, it's a much stronger, much better put-together contract than the Big 12's was. That being said, I'm like, okay, well, I, th- I think the Big 12's grant of rights is dissolving in a year. Mm-hmm. So how strong is any grant of rights contract? So I, I'm, just, I'm not convinced that the ACC is going to stay wholly intact here. Um, I think it's more likely that the Big 10 stays intact, may not do any expansion, but they maybe form more of an alliance with the Pac-12 with thoughts on a future expansion with the Pac-12 at some time in the future when that becomes something more, when it it looks like that might be something that might be a little more beneficial to both conferences. I think I could see the Pac-12 expanding and picking up some of the remnants of the of the Big 12, actually, before I see much happening with the Big 10 doing a true expansion at this point. Now, I say that because I think the per-team payouts and the monetary value of staying in the Big 10 is hugely valuable. I don't think a team like Ohio State, and that's kind of a little bit of a linchpin here for Mm -hmm. the Big 10, is somebody like Ohio State. If Ohio State and the SEC truly start seriously talking I think that's where things fall apart for everybody across the nation. Rob Zadisk is with us, Sale Varsity Radio, Dr. Rob, and of course his podcast, uh, Doc Talk Sports with Travis Justice. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, check out the Twitter at uh, Doc Talk Sports and uh, the uh, Podbeams, where you can hear that, uh, also other platforms. Dr. Rob, uh, let's get uh, down to it here with Nebraska and. Are, are are you feeling buzz? Are you feeling excitement for the season? You're a guy that, that played and uh, excelled for Nebraska as far oh. as the, the fan base is like, I don't want to say wait and see, but it's not as, granted, we're, you know, it's it's day four practice, so give us a week and maybe things crank up, <laughs> right, as we get closer to kickoff against Illinois. Is there a game that's like circled on your calendar, or are you – are you just looking at this opener? Are you looking at Northwestern in October? Are you looking at Iowa? What's your barometer gauge? 
I, I think that Illinois game is going to be a hell of a good barometer. And, and the reason I say that is, man, that's, that's a team that came out last year. Now, and I get it, new coach, new coaching staff, a lot of changes come out of that. But that Illinois team was a team that came out last year and just punched Nebraska in the face right off the bat. Again, I don't know if throwing a pass to the flat and turning the ball over on the first play of the game helps much. but You didn't not, swear not when exact, that happened, did you? No, it's not, not exactly a ton, the tone setter you're looking for. <laughs> um, but that's, that's an Illinois team that, but I'll tell you what, they kicked Nebraska's ass last year. And if you go back to the year before that, you go to 2019, that was a little bit of a barn burner as well, too. I mean, you think about some of those guys like Spielman kind of pulling that game out for Nebraska with all those plays over the middle where he just got lit up. Um, that was a tough game for Nebraska the year before as well, too. So this is not an easy opener. I mean, no. this is not an easy win for Nebraska. I think a lot of people are looking at Brett Bielema's recent track record as a coach and the fact that it's a new new coaching staff in general there in Champaign and going, okay, well, we got Illinois. That should be – we're going to chalk that one up as a win. Well, man, that one, that's going to be a tough game, I think. I mean, there's a lot of those players back, and those guys are going to know exactly what they did to Nebraska the last two years. And I don't think all of a sudden they're going to decide, yeah, we're taking this year off. Mm-hmm. So I – that's going to be a hell of a barometer, and that one game is going to tell you a lot about this Nebraska team, mainly in terms of how ready are they to come out and meet a physical, hard-hitting challenge right off the bat. No, I, I totally agree with you. We'll be on the road for it and uh, excited. Dr. Rob, we'll get caught up here closer to kickoff. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Absolutely. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Monday, Oscar Monday. Good stuff. Jay Moore on the Blackshirt Defense 2021. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, Charlie McBride, all about pressure. And you had Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the pipeline on this year's group of offensive linemen. Uh, you can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Follow us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Elijah Herbal at, uh, at Herbal Essence uh, on Twitter is where you find Elijah. Loaded up tomorrow, Rick Kaczynski, the return of Mitch Sherman from... San Diego. So he is back. Elijah, there is digital evidence tweeted out by the Lincoln Salt Dogs uh, detailing for the, uh, the the world and Internet to remember the, the beatdown that happened on Saturday. But they got you trying to make a play at first. And it's just not a kind picture. It doesn't show the throw. And it's you trying to 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 make the the pick up at first base. I disagree. I think it's a great angle of me. It really proves I've been doing my squats this year. 
Um, I'm, I'm sticking that thing out there. You've been staying the hell out of the sun. I about fell over, blinded by the light. Well, we, we can't all have the beautiful tan of Chris Schmidt. Sorry. No, but I'm saying you... There was clearly an error on third base on the throw. The way just the way you're going after the ball, that ain't you, Buckner. I mean, I, I did all I could to, to keep that thing in the infield, keep it from getting. <laughs> Let's just be straight. You kept it in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, what you need to look at here is is uh, the fact that I wore the cleats out there. That's there's picture. You did, of that. but you didn't go Kevin suits like I'm wearing pants. No, no, no. My, my legs can take it. I'll, I'll slide through that grass. Well, you're not, you're not going to slide. And then there's Shimmick in the third base box in his shorts. Did you say I'm not going to slide? Well, you shouldn't. You, well, shouldn't. you shouldn't ever have to, to slide in softball. Hooksy was going headfirst into third. Well, of course he was, because it's <laughs> game seven for him. <laughs> of course Hooksy was. And then we had uh, uh, Bill Shamer had a little, uh, a little sliding catch out in the outfield. Which is fine. There's grass there. You're not going to trash your knee and need... Oh, no, 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 in softball, it's the 60 feet baseline, so we're sliding in grass, too. I guess, unless you're sliding into first or into home, but, but only or the tryhards. Or into second. Second, it was, it was in the, it was right, it was between like the, the pitcher's mound and oh, second base. So there was grass. There was grass to slide okay, into at okay. second and, uh, and third, not first or home, but if you're sliding into I mean, first, depending like, on who's doing? trying to turn the double play, you take that bastard out. Well, the, the thing is, is by the end of the second inning, it really didn't feel like we needed to slide anymore because... I, I mean, it was going to be bad flips and ice cream. I mean... Or beers. Yeah. Bad flips and beers. Lot, many, many a beer was consumed that day. Well, it should have been. Yeah. It was good. Reminder huh? about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska. They're not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. I think we, you know, we've missed, we've missed Jacob Padilla. I think we got to reach out to Jacob tomorrow. It's been long. It's been too long. It has been. I mean, uh, we, we talked to him whenever you were out. Will and I did. Was that a week and a half ago? Yeah. So we, we chatted with Jacob a little bit. But we also, I want to get caught up with uh, with Derek to hear about the next chapter. Because he's going to be doing some uh, some work with uh, with Hale Varsity still. But now he's off in Chicago. So. Well, we can talk to Derek, too. We got Rick Kaczynski. Oh, I'm just making sure we're not, not going to have to retire Derek from no, the radio No, Derek's show. never retiring. <laughs> whether he likes it or not. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks.